Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1-5, through 5, called Full Speed Ahead. Now, Paul wrote, First and Second Thessalonians, most likely from Corinth. I want you to turn to Acts 18, and I'm going to show you something that was happening in Paul's life. So he had, he had gone uh, to Athens in between being in Thessalonica. You want Acts 18. And uh, he had preached there. And he left Athens, Acts 18.1, and came to Corinth. And that's where scholars think he wrote these two letters that we've been studying. He found a Jew, Acts 18.2, named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he came to them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, Acts 18.3. They were working, for by trade they were tent makers. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. There's Paul again. Nothing seems to stop the guy. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when they resisted and blasphemed, probably a blasphemy against Jesus himself, he shook out his garments and said to them in politically correct language, your blood be upon your own heads. (laughs) I love that. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. I've done my job. He left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justice, a worshiper of God, whose house was next to the synagogue. So this is where Paul had been ministering, and now he's right next door. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household. Great news, right? There's a synagogue leader. He gets saved. And many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and being baptized. Hey, that's a banner day for any evangelist. You've won the synagogue leader to the Lord Jesus Christ. This has to impact a lot of people positively for the gospel. People are getting baptized. People are getting saved. People, it's the talk of the town. Christmas, the synagogue leader is going, he's a Christian. And you would think that Paul would just be going, yeah, yeah. But notice the next verse. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, do not be afraid any longer, which implies to me that Paul was afraid. But go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no man will attack you in order to harm you. For I have many people in this city. And he, Paul, settled there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Now, this is the famous Corinthian congregation. And would you notice that Paul, after a banner day of evangelism, goes to bed that night, and he was probably praying something like this. Oh, Lord, I know it's coming. Because I've experienced it in other places, in other cities, wherever you give me success, usually what happens is that there's a bunch of people mad at me and I probably got a beating coming or I'm going to have to order an Uber and get out of town. Because every time this happens and people open their hearts, there are wicked and perverse evil men who want to destroy me. And maybe Paul had a restless night, if you turn back to 2 Thessalonians, something like this. Lord, I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I can keep doing this. How many towns and cities am I going to go to where you give me the beauty of seeing people get saved only to realize I got to skip out of town because people want to kill me? That's a tough way to live. And you know what Jesus does? He appears to Paul that very night and says, don't be afraid anymore. I'm with you. 
No one's going to hurt you. That seems to be what Paul's concern was. He was human. He didn't have a martyr's complex. He, he was just like us. If you hit him in the face, it would hurt. He bled just like us. He had concerns just like us. There's good evidence that Paul, if you would have saw him, he was a pretty broken down, hurting man. Physically speaking, he wasn't impressive. He had seen a lot of difficulty. And yet Jesus says, go on speaking. There's many people that I'm going to surround you with in this town. And Paul was able to stay in Corinth, get this, for a year and a half. And the implication is that he was free to teach and disciple and help plant a church. And it can look like chaos around us sometimes, 2 Thessalonians 3, but the Lord is faithful. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what's on your heart. He knows that there are wicked and perverse people who don't have faith and are just waiting to jump on websites and thrash the next Christian who speaks in the name of the Lord. Not everyone has faith. And you and I need to realize this because if we're expecting the whole world to become Christianized, that's a false, that's a fantasy. Not everyone has faith and not everyone's going to believe. And it doesn't matter how much evidence you give them. Some people simply, Jesus said it in Luke 16, will not believe. Even if one rises from the dead, some will not believe. But are you going to hinge all of your activity for the next however many years God gives you on that person's lack of faith? Some of you are doing that right now. You have a person in your life who's expressed a lack of faith and it has totally upended you. But you shouldn't be surprised by it because this is what happens. This is the story of the gospel and humanity. He says, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. When Paul wrote the last chapter of his life, he, he talks about the Lord, 2 Timothy 4, 17, stood with me and strengthened me in order that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was delivered out of the lion's mouth. And then he says, 2 Timothy 4.18, the Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. And he ends with, amen. Look at verse three of 2 Thessalonians 3. Now, even though there are people who don't believe, they don't have faith, not everybody has faith, verse three. But by contrast, the Lord is faithful. If you are hinging your hopes on humanity, <laughs> you may need to rethink that position. Because people can be fickle. People that, some of you have people who led you to the Lord that have now fallen away. That is a hard thing. When I was a young Christian, I was at a church fellowship and I've said many times that I struggled in, especially in the first four or five years of my walk with the Lord. I was in my early 20s. I brought a lot of baggage into that walk. My wife and I walked down the aisle and I felt almost an immediate call into the ministry, but I was still really wrestling with just giving up all of my sin. And by the age of 26, they had made me an elder in the church. I was ordained into uh, being a pastor of evangelism. And I was just in my mid-20s. I was a fairly new Christian. And all of a sudden, it came out that the senior pastor of the church had fallen. And I was on the elder board. Now, keep in mind, this was a man who married my wife and I, baptized us, had discipled me. And then he had had a moral failure. And I was on the board trying to determine what to do next with the fall of my pastor. And I'll tell you, it was heart-wrenching because half of the congregation wanted him booted and half wanted him to stay and get counseling and move forward. The church was divided. The, a lot of stuff came out that wasn't pretty. And that can upend you. And some of you, maybe, maybe you're watching live stream right now, you're here. And this is your story. 
Somebody that you trusted, somebody who was strategic in your Christian spiritual journey has disappointed you. And it happens. So what do we do now? Well, here's the key I want you to see. The Bible says the Lord is faithful. And what will he do? He will strengthen, which means he will establish you, make you firm and strong. And what will he do? And he will guard you or protect you from the evil. You'll see, notice that one is in parentheses. When, when this is rendered this way, uh, it's because the word is evil, the evil, and by implication, commentators would say it implies or leads us to the evil one that is Satan himself. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, and he says to pray, deliver us from evil. And some of the versions say the evil one because it's implied. And Satan asks to sift Peter like wheat. And Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking someone to what? Devour. So sometimes the evil, it could be rendered evil in general, but evil finds its, uh, you know, its main expression, if you will, in the person of Satan, who's a fallen rebellion, uh, rebellious angel who at one time was in the presence of God and was perhaps even an archangel. Do you know that sometimes the people who've experienced the things of God become the enemies of God? So listen to this. I heard recently, uh, I was reading a book on what's happening in the LGBTQ, whatever else is there, community. And this person is giving a, t a personal testimony of coming out of that community and coming to Jesus Christ. And the person's firsthand testimony is that some of the most vocal people who are anti-church and so forth in that community grew up in Christian homes. Do you know that some of the most prominent outspoken stars, Hollywood people, musicians, who are in the limelight today grew up in Christian homes and often had pastors as either their father or somewhere in their family? What happened? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Who have experienced the things of God become the enemies of God. So listen to this. I heard recently, uh, I was reading a book on what's happening in the LGBTQ, whatever else is their community. And this person is giving a, t a personal testimony of coming out of that community and coming to Jesus Christ. And the person's firsthand testimony is that some of the most vocal people who are anti-church and so forth in that community grew up in Christian homes. Do you know that some of the most prominent outspoken stars, Hollywood people, musicians, who are in the limelight today grew up in Christian homes and often had pastors as either their father or somewhere in their family. What 
happened? Well, sometimes they saw hypocrisy, but we also know that sometimes a person is raised in a good environment and they still rebel. You say, how could that happen? Because they're people prone to wander. Can you feel it? Do you have any wandering tendencies in your own heart? Yeah. Well, this is how it happens. And even though there's a lot of fickle, unfaithful people, and even people who are angry at God and angry with the gospel and malign the church, the Lord, brethren, is faithful. And he, what will he do? He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. And Paul, who wrote that, just experienced that vision in the night when the Lord Jesus came to him and said, don't be afraid. I tell you, there's been many times when I personally have felt like I'm walking into the lion's den in many different contexts. And my prayer often has been, oh Lord, get somebody else. (laughs) The Moses complex, right? What am I doing here? Why am I that guy? (laughs) Right, all that human stuff. But you know what? The Lord is always faithful. And inevitably, he shows up. I'll give you a quick story. So some years ago, uh, I was in this racquetball group and there was a lot of non-Christians in the group and I had a chance to minister to a lot of them. And we had a lot of incredible uh, competitive racquetball games. And there was a gentleman in our group who was in his early 50s who was playing paintball in his front yard and felt crushing pain in his chest, fell to the ground. One of his family members was right there who was a paramedic and couldn't save him. He passed away. And so word began to spread to our group of racquetball players. We all texted each other to set up you know, times when we could play racquetball. You know, Mark's, Mark's tragically passed away. And uh, they began to look to the preacher. You know when you're the preacher in the group, right? And everybody kind of, oh, preacher boy. <laughs> One of the guys in the group called me Kid Mike the Preacher Boy. And uh, he was a boxer, so he had to give me a nickname. Kid Mike the Preacher. Here comes Kid Mike the Preacher Boy, right? So all of a sudden, word comes to the preacher in the group. Hey, our friends died. Now everybody needs some hope, right? Now, now it's gotten serious. So I talked to the family, and... Uh, We talk about a memorial service. And then about a day later, I got word that someone in the family did not want the gospel preached at Mark's memorial service. And I got a telephone call and it was basically this. Uh, I think we're going to go in another direction because they don't, there's a family member who does not want to hear about Jesus Christ at this memorial service. Person was very hurt and upset. And so I just asked people to pray. I just, people on the prayer chain began to pray. And, uh, the daughter who was involved in this whole situation, I had spoken to her once and she had heard about what was going on and she said, you know, she had heard me share that I had shared the gospel with her dad one time. And he was a very strong, tough athlete. And after I had shared the gospel with him, he said to me, that's beautiful. And it was not like him to say words like that. That's beautiful. That's what he said to me sharing the gospel. So anyway, The daughter calls me and said, I don't care what they say. I want you there. I want you sharing the story about how my dad opened his heart or how he uh, responded to your gospel presentation. I said, okay. So the memorial service was in a backyard. Now here's what they decided to do. They said they had a lawyer in the family, an attorney, and he was going to emcee the memorial service, right? And and so it kind of, it shifted, but... They, they, the daughter wants me to go, but there's people who don't want me to be there and, no, and somebody doesn't want me to preach and you get the idea. So I walk into this backyard, two armed bodyguards, no, just kidding, <laughs> had a friend of mine with me and it was, uh, everybody was over above the pool that was involved in the service and everybody else was spread out over here. 
So I, I walked up to the platform, <laughs> and the, the lawyer in the family was emceeing, you know, everybody's coming up, I was a great guy, and it was a fantastic, and it was this and that, and it was so fun, and we remember over here, and we did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so they had about three or four people speak, and I walked up to this little elevated place, and I whispered in the attorney's ear, I'm the preacher. And he went, oh, oh. <laughs> so the family was like, let him speak, let him speak. So I had called a pastor friend of mine who, and I shared the story and I said, I said uh, you know, this is what's going on. Here's the dynamics. And he said, well, why don't you go up there and just share your conversation with him and by the conversation, you can preach the gospel. So that's what I did. So I began to tell the story, you know, one day outside the racquetball court, I got a chance to share and, and I told him and I, and I weaved the gospel and the whole thing. And sometimes, brethren, I'll tell you, this is how it works. You feel like, you don't even know what you're going to do, humanly speaking, and then the power of God. All of a sudden, you can hear a pin drop, and everybody is just listening, and the gospel is going out with authority and power, but also with hope and grace. And when I was done, I invited people, and I, here's what happened. Every time I would say something else, the attorney would, st- would start to get up, and somehow he just magically sat back down. <laughs> it's like he wanted to go up and stop me. He's like, and then something just made sense. I don't know if the, somebody was pulling on him or the Lord was sitting him back down. And, and, and I would say, and then, and then Jesus, and, and, he, and then he just sat back down. It's very common when I'm preaching. I'm sure you guys have figured this out by now. People want to get up and then sometimes they sit back down. But anyway, so the gospel goes out. And then I had people coming up to me and saying, oh, hi, Pastor Michael, I'm so-and-so. I, I live up in Big Bear. And I need to tell you, we heard about what was going on and how uh, the family wanted you to preach the gospel, but then somebody got mad and didn't want you to preach the gospel. And, and I said to my husband, do you think he's going to preach the gospel? And my husband said, I don't know. He's a preacher. What else could he do? And, and they were, apparently they were taking bets up on the mountain, you know, and people were hearing about this thing. And, and here's something that was happening. They said, like this lady says to me, we've been praying for you all week. They, I didn't even know these people. Brethren, the church was there. There were Christians there. I didn't even know who they were. Oh, we heard that. And then we, and you know, we've been praying for you. And, and I knew you were going to preach the gospel. <laughs> I, I just knew it. I told my husband, I, I, yeah, he's, he's, he's going to preach the gospel. I just know it. <laughs> so the gospel goes out. So you, you never know what the Lord's going to do with everything. But I had some really cool conversations with people. Left there. Thank you, Lord. And uh, six months later, I'm at a pulpit preaching. And do you know who walked in our church? the person who didn't want me to preach at that message, that, at that service. He and his wife walked into the church, sat through a service, greeted me afterwards. And then I came to find out the backstory. And the backstory is that there was a lot of Christian background there. Something happened. I don't know what it was. There was hurt and wounds and bitterness because of the sudden death of our friend. And you could understand. But the gospel still ministered and God still worked. Paul says, we have confidence in the Lord, verse 4. See, my confidence is not in me. My confidence is not in my ability to make a slick presentation. Do you know when I was growing up, I acted like I was sick on oral report day. I did not want to speak in front of people. Now that's all the Lord has me doing. Does God have a sense of humor? Yes, he does. This is the last thing I imagine doing. But here I am, and I have confidence in the Lord. That's where my confidence is. Not in anything else, not in my ability to produce something. My confidence is in Him concerning you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. 
It's a young church. But Paul expressed a similar confidence about the Philippian church. He who began a good work in you, he will complete it till the day of Christ. He's going to finish what he started. Amen? So I might as well get on board with his program and let him lead me where he wants me to go. And then a final verse, encouragement where the strength is found. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. His love is my strength. And into the steadfastness, hupomone is the Greek word. It has the idea of patient endurance of Christ. Here's two keys, and this is Paul's prayer. I'm confident, and I'm praying that the Lord would direct your hearts into his love. The love of God poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us. May the Lord redirect your heart to God's love. When I don't know where else to go, that's where I go. I go to the foot of the cross and I remember how much God loves me. That he put his love on display at the cross. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I I need to redirect my life and heart back to the love of God. And, And if you've been outside of that and you've kind of been missing the bullseye, that's his love. His love strengthens and fills. And then if you have an NIV, it says, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Some believe here it's the model of how Christ persevered even all the way to the cross through the Garden of Gethsemane. could be that. Or it could be the gift of perseverance that Christ gives. You could look at Romans 15, 4, and 5. I think it could be both. We look at Jesus' example of perseverance all the way to the cross, but I think he also gives perseverance. This is a final prayer, and it's from David. It's 1 Chronicles 29, 17, and 18. He's talking about his son and praying, and he says, Since I know, O my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, in the integrity of my heart have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. 1 Chronicles 29, 18. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers preserve this forever in the intentions of their heart of your people and direct their heart to you. You've been listening to Full Speed Ahead, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1-5. through Don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program or parts 1 or 2, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we wanted to let you know that we're trying to make Walk in Truth 100% listener supported. If you've made Walk in Truth part of your regular listening, would you please consider becoming a monthly partner? Our annual expenditures for radio time, promotion, equipment, supplies, operation, and much more reach over $150,000. Our fiscal year starts in April, and so far, thanks to listeners like you, we've raised nearly $24,000. Listeners like Damon in Los Angeles, Alice from Whittier, and John from Albuquerque. The rest of our bills are paid by our church. Now, we're so grateful because we've seen tremendous growth in listener partnerships since we started this ministry. Every step closer to being fully supported by our listeners makes it possible for this ministry to expand to more radio stations to reach more people. Would you please consider giving either a one-time donation of $200 or become a monthly partner giving at least $10? Your tax-deductible donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast, and do free apologetic events. 
It's all part of our mission to equip you with the truth in the Bible and to help you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. So please pray and consider partnering with Pastor Michael and Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com and click donate. That's walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael with the final word. Well, I love the idea of moving full speed ahead instead of being stalled out or bummed out or retreating. Uh uh. This is not the time to retreat. This is the time to move ahead and press ahead. And that's really what we've been, been after is let's get the gospel out. Let's, uh, partner together in the greatest work of all. Let's enjoy the the ride as well, the exciting Christian life that God has given us as we move ahead by the grace of God. Well, we're going to be finishing up Second Thessalonians. And, you know, the, the first part we're talking about really evangelism and prayer, but we're about to talk about a well-ordered life. How do we live with discipline? How do we stay uh, focused on what's important? How do we have good structure and have an ordered life. If you have felt chaotic, if you have wondered as a Christian, what do I do? We've gotten all this uh, end times teaching. What do I do now? Well, this next message is going to answer that question. And I'll tell you, it ain't easy, but it's going to be all about not being lazy, working hard, and doing what's right, and even holding people accountable. It's one of those tougher passages, but tune in tomorrow right here for more on Walking Truth. And join us tomorrow for the final teaching in Pastor Michael's series in Thessalonians called Brethren, Do Not Grow Weary of Doing Good. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.